headed out. But... Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan. Story by story. In this, our semi-sesquicentennial episode, we will be going through our defenders and giving our player ratings for 2020's performance. But more importantly, gentlemen, we've made it to 75. Congratulations. Thank you. Can you say that again? Semi-sesquicentennial. It's impressive, bro. You are a man with words. And I didn't even I didn't even know what that was before today. I didn't even know there was a number for 75. I think we've got that right. I hope so. Some Googling right before the show might have confirmed that, might have not, because I did not remember from a bajillion years ago when, for some reason, that piece of information was important yeah, to some educator of mine at some point I in was, time. I was going to more so say, why did you ever learn that? But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, just more more stuff that Jonathan shocks us that he knows every day. That sounds like verbal Roman numerals. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Same thing, right? Yeah. Why did we have to learn Roman numerals? And darn every teacher that told me I wouldn't have a calculator in my pocket. But anyway, we move on. So the point of today's episode is to go through our player ratings for defenders and keepers. But before we touch on that, we got some news and notes we want to hammer through real quick. We did get some great news that Tristan Blackman has been called up to represent the United States for the U.S. men's national team. Your initial thoughts on Tristan Blackman, the year he had, and it resulting in a call up and getting a cap for the national team, potentially. I think it's a um, good moment for him, right? Because he had a injury-filled year, and at the end, he was able to show in the Champions League what he can do at right back. Uh, I think at the beginning of the year, he showed what he could do from a center-back position. So it looks like Berhalter, uh, Berhalter and his team is watching intently all of the MLS all around the world but he's, because he's been calling up people here that play nationally in Mexico and in Europe. And depending where the competition is or where the games are, he's also calling players that if they're Eurocentric and their game is there, that's we're gonna who he's gonna call up. If it's out here, he's calling up more domestic players. So good for Tristan. He I mean he's still young. He has a lot of upside. I do like the grit he's showing in both positions. So him being versatile, I think is gonna give him more of an opportunity to try to get a spot in the 23 in the conversation for the World Cup in 2022. So hopefully that happens for him. Yeah, I think it's exciting. Ever having a player represent our country on our squad, it's a lot of fun. It it was a disappointing thing when we traded Walker Zimmerman or sold Walker Zimmerman. You know, in this whole season, we didn't really have anybody that, that represented the United States on our squad. So it's nice to see that Greg Berhalter is looking for other people other than the players that he normally has uh, relied upon in serious matches. And I just hope that Tristan gets an opportunity to actually get some minutes. You know, it comes to mind how Tyler Miller got called up last year and he sat on the bench for a month during the Gold Cup competition. And it was disappointing to not see him get an opportunity to showcase what, he, what ability he might have been able to show at that time and so you just hope that Tristan is able to show exactly why we like him and why we want to hold on to him and hopefully uh Berhalter sees something in him that allows him to get some minutes on the pitch well let's hope uh we don't have the same results as the dreaded gold cup call-ups that seem to regress each one of our players that we sent into that particular competition but in the case of Tristan obviously a guy 
we all really like because he plays with that little bit of chip and edginess when he's getting physical, but he also has swag. I mean, guy's got pure style. He's out there, you know, doing some fancy footwork, kind of getting in people's faces. I mean, let's be honest, this call up was solely deserved on his Kobe Bryant esque moment where he would not back down from the ball being thrust into his face. I mean, that alone was call up worthy performance just in that moment right there. So we know the mental side is there. The technical side is there. The physical side took a step back with some injuries this year, but certainly his CCL performance was absolutely above what we were expecting. A return to a type of player that we all saw a lot of potential in a couple of years back. And so I think it's well worth the call up. Interesting to see. Speaking of things that are interesting for some of us to see, and perhaps infuriating for others of us to see, we'll touch on here in a second, perhaps a glimpse into some future threads here for the Los Angeles Football Club. Looks like Adidas leaked, although applied to the wrong team name, but nonetheless leaked a picture of an LAFC kit online, although it was erroneously labeled LA Galaxy, in what it's was terrible. some dashing pink attire, which everyone... Save one terrible. person seems to be excited about. <laughs> it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Like, first of all, it wasn't even a kit. It was a sweater. Okay, and there was a there was a matching set of pants to go with this pink, soft pink. Dude, it's terrible. Like, I am not a fan. If those are, if we end up getting a third kit and it's that pink or any kind of pink, I'm I'm gonna be upset. I like I don't like it. I'm not I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. It's uh you know, we have so many different colors that we could choose from on a third kit. Like if you want to go off the wall on something that is not related to any of our color schemes, you can simply take any other color you want. And it, I just pink is absolutely terrible. Like it wasn't good when Seattle did it with their highlighter pink. It's not good. Miami's pink is not good. I've never seen a pink jersey, a pink kit that I'm like, oh my god, that looks that looks amazing. I can't wait to wear that. Well, I am tickled pink by your thorny response <laughs> to this rose-colored hue of a kit here, which I think is quite fashionable. I think there's a lot of people that really like that style. Is it something that I would probably regularly add to my wardrobe if it were not LAFC affiliated? Probably not. It's probably not my thing but i definitely think for a generation after us uh, and for a lot of other people that color is very popular i think it's a good look to it it could have been sort of a lot worse kits out there that i've seen so i'm not as as vehement about it as you seem to be which i find absolutely hilarious your hatred of pink kits who knew uh <laughs> we just discovered this i mean christian and i must have been uh, absolutely flabbergasted in our pregame because we were talking about this and chris went on I mean, you think that Tyreedy just went on. I mean, you should have heard the one that was unedited pre-show. It was hilarious, sir, that it brings this much out in you. I, I, now, I appreciate the fire and passion right, of the now, team. Don't get me wrong. Will I buy it? Yes. But will I ever wear it? <laughs> <laughs> will I ever wear it? Probably not. You know, I will probably buy one to say that I have one because I am a collector of that type. But... It will be stowed away in a dark, dark corner of my closet for years and years to come. Maybe I'll give it to my wife. Maybe I'll let my wife wear it. Easy, buddy. Easy, buddy. All right, Christian, what are your thoughts? I'm trying so hard not, not to laugh. I think it's fine. I mean, Juventus has done this. This is not something new. 
And I think you're right, Jonathan, that the younger fans and supporters like the pink. I think also, you know, places like Miami and LA, it makes sense, or people places that are more coastal or have more of a bombastic style of pink type color makes sense. I think, you know, maybe in the early 90s, that was like a, a shock. Like, I'm not shocked by pink, light, light pink or salmon or whatever, whatever the color is going to be, you know, going based off what footy headlines has. But I'm more interested in to see what the community is going to say. I think there's going to be some people like Chris that don't particularly like it. And I'm a little indifferent about it, but I think anything with the LAFC shield on it looks good. So, I mean, I'd rock it. Why couldn't it be like a black kit with pink accents or, you know, something else with pink accents? I mean, that, if this uh, club is going to last forever, la- don't worry, man. They, they got that option to do it in a few years anyway. Just, but I was just... more excited about the rumors when I saw gold kits out there, you know. Ajax had it a couple of years ago or a year ago in the Champions League with the away kit. I think whenever they release that, because I know it's going to happen at some point, the gold with black, the inverse of kind of what our home jersey is. That, I know I want to buy a couple at least of that. But this, I mean, the fact that they're introducing a third kit, if you really think about that, that's what's more interesting to me, that there's enough of a market uh, for some teams maybe in bigger metro areas. I don't know if it's going to be all teams with a third kit, but the MLS has come a long way where before it used to be just home and away, and that third kit is kind of like to sell more stuff, right? And if we there's enough of a market for a third jersey to be implemented, to be introduced. That means, you know, the team is in a different place where the league was 25, 26 years ago. So that's what's more Absolutely. interesting to me. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it speaks to the financial success of LAFC that we would even be considered in our fourth season, you know, to be one of those teams that's already getting a third kit when only a handful of teams, we know Atlanta United has already been confirmed. Uh, we can assume that a couple other of the high-selling teams, the New Yorks of the world and the like, are probably going to get one as well, too. But great for Los Angeles just from a financial standpoint to have a third kit, more revenue, more money coming in. And frankly, I mean, I guess, you know, pink is the new black, right? So it's kind of already our color. That's really just to just to get under Chris's skin here. Sorry, folks. But uh, no, I, I look, the more provocative the conversation around the kit becomes, the better it is for the team, right? No news is bad news. It, it, I think if people love or hate the kit, it starts a conversation about LAFC that I think is a good conversation. And I, I don't know, I thought it looked all right. It, it might not be my thing, but I don't think the gold kit is going to happen. Adidas keeps coming out saying they can't do a gold kit. That The color just doesn't work when players start to sweat and get wet. It just looks like dirty brown and there's a lot of people that don't seem to like the idea of a gold kit. Adidas certainly seems to be pushing back pretty heavily against the idea of an all-gold kit. I definitely think it's something that all of us in the community want, but we'll see. If we were voting tomorrow for a color for a new kit, I think gold would probably win out in the community as the color people would most want to see. I think that's that's the only downside of having one brand control the league which is traditional in american sports but you just have less customizable kits every year versus when each team kind of can negotiate their own thing then they can go with each specific brand's framework or and kind of figure out what their kits are going to look like so no hate on adidas though you guys can sponsor the pod here and i'll wear any kit including the pink one adidas make us more shoes too you know just a few more shoes that wouldn't hurt either 
We love the kids. Just, just, just you know, a few more shoes. Aside from that, no, obviously, uh, shouts to Timothy Nikoloff and all our friends at Adidas. Love it. Love the kits. Love the shoes. Just, uh, not, just, just more not the pink ones. Just not the pink <laughs> ones. Some of us, not a fan of the pink. Others, perhaps pink friendly. We shall see. I'm looking at it now on the Adidas. But it's not terrible. I redact my statement. It's, it's not terrible. It's, it's, it's tasteful. Is a rose not with the LAFC name even more sweet, my friend? Come on now. Just putting that LAFC logo on it. Doesn't that just, just push you over the line, buddy? Come on. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's rose oh. gold. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of rose gold. Yeah, that's all right. That's that's flashy. I mean, that's that kind of ties it at least into the black and right. rose gold. Yeah, right. I could see that. I could see that. Speaking of things over the line, over the line to the south of Los Angeles in the distant town of Carson, they have a new coach. Do we care? Ray uh, Vaney. I don't, I don't know. care what they do, dude. Honestly, I don't. But Despite good for them. His, uh, it's just it's just another coach to add on the list of people that we're not going to like in a couple of years. I mean, he did pretty well with TFC. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely he's a former Galaxy player as well too. So, you know, there's I could see from their standpoint why it was a no-brainer hire given where the club is at. I don't think you could put any coach in the world in that system with those players, and it's going to work right now. Oh, but I, I, I do tell you this. I hope that, that he turns that club around and it gets to be competitive again because the derby matches are always better when it's competitive. They're not as much fun when we are blowing them out or you know the, the competition just isn't there. It's all I like rivalries to be competitive and I like rivalries to be things you look forward to. It's better than blowouts or just being better than your crosstown rival and not being competitive. I have the I'm gonna completely disagree. Yeah. <laughs> completely disagree. No. I'm not saying Austin I don't want them to be every game in the season. I'm not and we I'm blew not... them out ten nil, we'd be singing about that for the rest of our lives. No, I'm not saying that I want them to be so much better that they beat us. I just want them to be better so that we don't walk into this game thinking we're gonna win and know we're gonna win. I want to be like, hey, look, I know we're gonna win, but it's not just like, oh, we're gonna kill them. Blowouts. That's no, I appreciate when the adversary <laughs> is worthy, but in this case, I don't mind if the adversary was trash for a few years first. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, yeah, no, I disagree with them <laughs> getting better. But you know, it makes the, the hire makes sense, and that's what's out of character here for them. That's 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 what is weird that they're making sensible moves all of a sudden. Um, so good for them in this moment. They probably feel good about themselves. But to answer your initial question, Jonathan, I really don't care what they do because they always disappoint their own fans, and I hope they keep that streak up because that's what I'm here for. I'm here for our team and focusing on what we do, talking about our club. And um, I think it's structural difference right now, and they're long ways away from turning that around. So good luck to us, not to them. All right, so before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, it does appear as though the messy to purchase a portion of an MLS club conversation is heating up. We know the club might be teasing an announcement which comes out tomorrow, which I don't really care if we give away on the show because this show's not coming out till at least tomorrow anyway. So we're not actually selling anything. By the time the show comes out, that news will be old hatch. But do you guys think it is possible that we might have Messi next to Will Ferrell in the owner's box? I'm going to say that the likelihood of 
Lionel Messi buying into LAFC is very, very slim. If he buys into a club, you know, there was a lot of speculation about Miami. There was also speculation about, I don't know if, did did you, we mentioned this last week, right, Christian, yeah. where you talked about uh, City having him go and play for City and then eventually makes his way over to NYCFC. And especially with Carlos Vela here, I don't see Messi coming to L.A. I think there's the allure of Hollywood that you are all forgetting because we live here in Los Angeles. And there's something about that glitz and glamour that gets to people sometimes, right? And when you're looking at cold, angry, busy New York City, which I appreciate has its own vibrance and life to it that people really like. But it's, it's a different kind of vibrance in Los Angeles, assuredly. And then you have Miami which has Florida all around it, right? Which is not a selling point for anything. Not to mention Floridians, which are, are not perhaps the most agreeable of culture to be around as well, too. Obviously, Miami in its own little bubble is awesome, but you're surrounded by a lot of swamp there. Plus, you know, I think from a financial standpoint, LAFC and Bank of California, whatever it becomes in the future stadium is a big financial piece of any ownership stake as well, too, because we have concerts and events and access and parking and all of those other things that come with Los Angeles that you might not necessarily get in Miami with its rain, whereas here in L.A., significantly less rain. As our friends at FCFC would like to say, it never rains in L.A., which is ironic that they've picked that title because that was also very similar to the title of my sister's first book, which was It Never Rains in San Clemente, which is the town we grew up in down South Orange County there. But as I digress, I think there is a lot, especially with ACFC coming to the bank as well, too. There's money to be made there. The grounds and the team just seem to have more potential and certainly a better performance on the pitch than Inter-Miami. And at Inter-Miami, he's always going to be the second footballer to David Beckham. So it's going to be hard for them to sort of out-ego each other. Whereas if he comes to LAFC, he's instantly the best male football player involved in LAFC ownership. Obviously, Mia Hamm, one of the greatest of all time. So, But there's balance there, I think, in, in LAFC. Plus, we already see a lot of player owners that struggle in other parts of the world and LAFC seems to have a blend of business and personality ownership that does well. So like I mean obviously it's it's not going to happen, but it it could. It could. And I'm going to say it has more of a chance than either of you are giving it, but it's still not going to. I mean, one thing I would say is guess which team had a pink jersey, Barcelona? That has no weight <laughs> on this at all. He's not even coming. He's still going to be at uh, camp now for, like, another season or two. No, he's uh, not, dude. He's leaving this summer. Like, I, this I'll summer. go back to back yeah. to my argument. He's he's on a free already. Like, he's going to go to City, and then he's going to go to NYCFC. So, Hey, what color is that Liverpool keeper kit, by the way? Just uh, out of curiosity. Isn't it? Why? why like, why are we having this conversation? <laughs> like... All right, you let's know, move hey, on. Hey, what place is Arsenal in? I don't even know because it's so far back. I don't read that far. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's out of the relegation zone. I know that. Yeah. So we have something to celebrate. Uh, there might not be a say, Tottenham's uh, okay, day this so, year. You know, you talk about Los Angeles. <laughs> are we forgetting that, you know, what if he signs with the Galaxy? What are you, I mean, is is that so far-fetched? I would think he has better taste than that. <laughs> wow. I mean, I think he's he's not into the color white. To be honest with you, 
Wow, you think he's going to make his choice of team based off of the jersey he wears? Dude, I mean, if you think about this, the Galaxy changed their whole image to look like Real Madrid when Beckham came, right? Okay. So okay. he's a Barcelona dude, and he bleeds those colors. It is more important than you think in other he parts has, of the world. He, he wants to leave Barcelona, though. Like, he is so bitter at that club right now. He's bitter at the ownership and the directors there, not necessarily at the club, the shield, and the people there, right, and the jersey. So I think the jersey does have more weight than me saying in just about the pink jersey. But, you know, if the money's right and if he can get a stake there, that's another thing that I think is less likely, too. AEG isn't forthcoming in giving people stakes necessarily more than the LAFC has shown to be able to do or be willing to do. So just a couple things there. I mean, is it possible? It's just as possible as LAFC, probably less because of the things that I just said. Well, we shall see how that plans out. There was one last piece of news and notes. It appears as though Bob Bradley will be receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award as well for his coaching, which is something I always think is a little odd to grant someone a Lifetime Achievement Award while they're still achieving. It seems like something that should be done after someone's sports career. I think that's a bit odd timing, but certainly when you look at the people who've won in the past, illustrious, the Kim Bellises and things like that of the world, certainly Bob is is worthy of being in a conversation with all those people. But your thoughts on uh, Skipper Gaffer here getting the Lifetime Achievement Award? I think it's great. It shows. You know, Bob's been around football for a long time, and he has definitely left an impression here in the United States. I feel like it is a deserved award of somebody of his caliber in his resume. I agree. Well, he has a long-tenured career. I think he's continued to progress. His idea, he's continued to stay contemporary to the ever-evolving game of football because obviously when he started coaching compared to now, his style, his mentality, his formations, all of that has changed, his mentality. So... I'm really happy for him, and he, I mean, he deserves it. I do agree with you that it's interesting to get a Lifetime Achievement Award while you're still achieving, and will probably achieve more things. But uh, I'm happy that he has gone to a point where he's a notable recipient. He has decades ahead of him of coaching if he wants to, right? I, I just think the timing of it, I guess when you look at the other names who have already received the award, Given his place in the American soccer landscape, it only makes sense that he would be next. But it does seem a little odd to grant someone as young as Bob with so much career ahead of him a a Lifetime Achievement Award. Obviously, he's certainly achieved a lot throughout the course of his career. So why don't we go ahead and transition into part two of the show here? So we are going to run through goalkeepers and defenders today, give a letter grade and a very, very quick, maybe 30 seconds each thought on some of the key players and some of the players with less of an impact or no impact throughout the course of the season, we're just going to skip on. So, Chris, why don't you go ahead and um, uh, call us off here and, and fire away. So, uh, for those of you that want to follow along, uh, we're going to go in numerical order. So, number one is Kenneth Vermeer. Jonathan, what is your season grade for Kenneth Vermeer? Probably number one on your score sheet, but not number one in your hearts. I just don't think Kenneth Vermeer did enough to take Pablo Cisniega's place within the culture, community, and fan base that is LAFC. When he first came in, we thought he was going to be that marshal, that general, that seasoned veteran, 
that was going to calm down the defense, that was going to be able to take Cisniega under his wing. And that was he was going to make smart tactical decisions when he was out there and he knew when to come out. Those were all the things we read about him, you know, and going back and looking at what we thought about him when we signed him. Has he proven himself to be smart when he comes out? No. Has he proven himself to be a marshal of that defensive line and someone who can communicate and help with us tactically and defensively? No. To what extent he's coached or helped Vermeer, I really don't know, but I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. I haven't heard a lot of interviews with Kenneth Vermeer or Sistaniega where they talk a lot about their relationship with one another. Aside from the normal comments of, oh, it's great to have competition and it's great to have the veteran, the youth around, yada, yada, yada. But aside from those tried axioms, we haven't really seen a big impact on Sissiniega by having Vermeer there. So for all of those things, you have to say he did not live up to what we thought we were getting when we signed him. His statistical performance based on dollars amount spent does not favor him particularly well. And he seems to have some of these big blunders throughout the course of the season that stand out. Now, I know keeper's one of those positions where you do the job 99% right. People are still only going to talk about the 1% that wasn't. But we're just not seeing the caliber and quality from him that we expected based on the signing. So much so that there were some salacious things said about him throughout the community online. And we all do not see him having a long-term future with this club after one year. So I, I do not think that spells very well for Kenneth. But Christian, very curious to hear your thoughts. Wait, wait, before Christian goes, not only did you not give a grade, you also went way over 30 seconds. I'm going to go with a <laughs> C-. minus. I'm going to go C minus. <laughs> okay. I'll give him a C. I second a lot with what Jonathan said. Oh. Yeah, I know he captured it well, though. It was very, it was very thorough. I, I think the only thing I would add would be that the only thing I think he did better than Cisniega, which I know we'll review him after, is being comfortable with the ball at his feet. But that's not his job. The job is to keep the ball out of the net. I didn't feel confident when there were shots at him. I think his positioning was terrible at times. It was more guessing than reacting. And you would think that a player coming from Ajax or Feyenoord, uh, Champions League pedigree, like I didn't realize that you can fall up a, like a footballer's career off a cliff. I got that all wrong, but you know what I'm trying to say. That's kind of what his performance was like. just did not make sense on the field versus what we were told he was on paper. So I'll give him a C, though, because in Champions League, he did okay. You know, I wonder how much truth there is. Somebody I had spoken to midseason, and I forget who it was, talked about the fact that maybe Kenneth was coming from a club where the defense was better in the sense that they knew their role and they had better ability. So he was more laxed on his fundamentals or responsibility or position because he was able to depend a little bit more on his defense and the fact that LAFC's defense is probably not at a level of what he was used to that that could have led to some of the blatant mistakes that we look at and criticize him on because we would be like well why is he why was he in that position but that maybe that's how he had always played because he knew that his defense or he felt like his defense would would cover for him in those aspects you know i don't know 
enough about the sport to be able to give that kind of analysis. But that's something I thought could be an influence. And on we don't know. Oh, we don't know how much Bob is giving him that authority as well, too. We don't know if the coaching staff says, hey, you know, we want you to tell these guys what to do. Or if the coaching staff says, hey, let us yell from the sideline. You just get back and stop the ball. I do think I may have sold him short on his ability to stop PKs as well, too, which was impressive at times. He did seem to stop PKs at a higher rate than one would normally see. So I will give him some credit for that. But, yeah, I would say all in all disappointed. Very disappointed. I mean, I, I can't think of a coaching staff that would tell a keeper, hey, don't worry, we'll, we got the yelling. No, 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 yeah, it's not. No, no, I'm just saying he needs to go in there and be a leader, dude. Honestly, and I'm one of the things that's still in my mind is that first first goal that came from a corner kick where he just didn't command, kick his two defenders out. So to me, that moment tells me a lot of the entire season that he had, where he may have had one or two moments, but it's outweighed by like five or six that were not so good and were more costly than some of the saves he made. You know, my grade is... I mean, I, I would say a C, C-plus type. You know, it, there are definitely times where he just looked underwhelming. So the eye test wasn't there. It's hard to give the man a good grade when he had errors that were so bad it got him benched, right, which we saw throughout right. the course of this right. season. So it wasn't good. Yeah, so uh, Pablo Cisniega, season two. Jonathan? Pablo, we all knew he was the understudy at the start of the season. Based on a 2019 performance mostly in regards to Pablo, we felt the need to go out and get that new number one keeper. We went out, we got Vermeer, we gave him number one because we didn't think Pablo was ready. So Pablo's goal this year was to prove to us that he was ready for the number one keeper position. If Kenneth Vermeer were to be sold off or transferred out somehow, loaned out, would you be happy with Pablo Cisniega getting the number one position right now maybe I, I think a lot of us would still be a little disappointed in that we would want a veteran keeper brought in behind him that could work with him sort of right back to where we were a year ago so i, I kind of got to give sisaniega maybe a bb minus for stepping up and proving to us that he's more of a commodity or at least a more game ready commodity than we thought he was a year ago and i think we do see a lot of potential there in him but it still hasn't manifested itself. We don't see him becoming the leader that we need a keeper to be. Kid's got a long, long career in front of him. There's lots of time for him to develop. But we didn't see huge strides taken this year. But for the small steps forward we saw, I'm going to go ahead and say B, B- for Sisney. I agree with you. I'll give him a B. I think he he probably made Vermeer look less competent as a shot stopper. <laughs> Because uh, Cisniega was definitely the better shot stopper, shot stopper of the two. And um, I agree with you. He, he took a step forward in his progression and his development. His foot skill, his receiving and passing was better. It's still not where I'm sure Bob wants it to be or even where he wants it to be. But it's better in comparison to last year. So he is lacking confidence a little bit, I think. And that comes from experience. And I think he lacks a little bit of leadership. I, I don't see him being vocal enough in the back. Granted, our, our center back pairings were never consistent for most of the season, and that doesn't give a keeper or a defense consistency to make us successful, but a good goalkeeper kind of makes up for that, and neither of the two goalkeepers were able to do that, and uh, Cisniega did get better 
he won the starting spot for a reason. He didn't finish out the season because he got injured. And I do think he should have been the keeper in the CCL. But I'm not Bob. I'm not seeing them training day to day. And I think he was also kind of giving Ramir the time and the opportunity to save face and also probably to not make that signing look so bad. And he did okay. Well, I think there are two reasons Cisniega didn't play in CCL. Every game was going to go to potential PKs. And Vermeer's better at PKs. And let's be honest, Cisniega's distribution at times throughout the season was more than suspect. And CCL teams are just, you make a mistake, they're going to pound on you. So he wanted someone out there that wasn't going to make the distribution mistake and had the better ability going into what could have potentially been PKs to end a game. And I still think distribution is a big area of concern for Cisniega in 2021. But Chris, curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, our assessments have been pretty solid, you know, pretty similar with Vermeer and Cisniega. So now the final question is, are we going to see both one or neither of them on the 2020 roster? Go ahead, Christian. At least one. Yeah, I would I would honestly bang for my bang for my buck. I keep Cisniega. And if I'm able to offload Vermeer, I would do it. I just don't think team is suited for his style. But I do think we need to sign a, a keeper that that is better and doesn't necessarily need to be a veteran keeper. It just needs to be a solid keeper that grew up in this kind of system and is just better than these two. I don't need like a 30-year-old. I can be, you know, a young 20-some-year-old that is doing well. I've seen a couple of those in the Premier League and I think we can find one hopefully in South America or something. Uh, I think we're about a 50% chance both of them stay. And then maybe... There's no chance I would see of both of them going. So then I would give probably equal chance 25-25 to Cisniega staying or Vermeer staying, depending on what offer you get. But I think given just the economic climate of football, I just don't see both of them being under contract. It could be difficult to move one of those pieces right now. That might be something that we just draft a keeper uh, maybe keep Ejimadu or not going into the summer transfer window when we look to do this business then. It wouldn't surprise me if we if we kick this can down the road to the summer with any hole in the squad, especially keeper, and kept the two options we have. Yeah, I, I feel that we're going to have both of them for next season. I don't see us making significant splashes at goalkeeper in the offseason. I think that given the better performance by Vermeer in the CCL and given how Cisniega played better and took over that starting spot at the middle part of the season, I think that that's enough for Bob to say, you know what, I feel like there is that healthy competition. It, it's a back and forth battle between them and, uh, you know, that he's going to go into next season with another goalie competition. Now, once that messy money comes in and we can afford to go out and spend on a keeper, that, that could be a different story, but... Yeah. Um, I really the, have the, no opinion <laughs> on any other keepers other than these two. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, no, it's, it's all good. Uh, you know, and Philip Edgermadu just unfortunately hasn't really had much much time, so we can't really give an assessment on him. It's, you know, I think that it'd be good to see. Maybe in uh, preseason matches we can see what he has. So, all right, on to the defenders now. Again, we are going to start uh, in numerical order, and uh, Marco Farnfan Farfan is the very first one because he doesn't have a number. So that is a player that we had just gotten from Portland in a transfer a couple of weeks ago. Do you guys want to talk about him or you just want to move on to Jordan? He can play either side. I think he's going to be a good backup, serviceable, MLS experienced 
young veteran, if you will. I think it checks a lot of boxes one would speak to when looking at depth. I, I don't think this is going to be someone that's going to be in a starting 11 for a cup game, but, you know, maybe for you know, some lesser competitions. Yeah. Christian? I agree with what Jonathan said. I, I'm just hoping that he brings competition. I think it's going to be hard if we're assuming Palacios and Blackman are the starters that he sits one of them down, but I want him to push them to, you know, be in consideration. And I do hope that he fits well into the system, assuming we have at least the two competitions, Open Cup and the MLS season, then there is going to be quite a few games. So, And we don't know if it's going to be shut down and compressed again and all that. So having a good backup that can play both sides is very important. Okay, Jordan Harvey. So I believe he's out of contract, but he has been a veteran on this club. And what do you guys think about Jordan and his performance this year? What's your grade, and do you expect to see him in 2021? I'll give him a B plus. I think he he played well at times, but I think he's experienced in every sense of the word. I think he lost a step, and that's unfortunate for him. You know, he went from starter to not being a starter because last year he's such a good player, uh, one good player of the CCL. I think that he's not going to be back. And he'd probably be joining the, the the coaching staff, I feel like. I have a feeling that he's an Emily Belay. He wants to be involved with the team in some way. And I think he could be a good mentor. He has good work ethic. He likes to work out. He has the right mentality. He could be a good balance of – bring good balance to the to, to the dressing room. So, strictly performance, C+, but he's awesome player and awesome person. So, hopefully he stays involved. Jonathan? I think his – future role with us is potentially in broadcast or community. I think he has a role with the club that might be a media type role. I, I don't know if coaching is necessarily the next step for him straight out of playing. Maybe, maybe it is. I certainly would like to see him helping out with something media related around the team. I definitely think he has the ability to do that that personality, that attitude and vibe and familiarity and comfort with Cameron media and that sort of thing. And I, I think former players do a really good job in those roles. And I think he could be one of those color commentator types for be it radio or broadcast or doing something around the team in that regard. I, I mean, selfishly, I kind of want him to stay around just so his wife can keep singing the Canadian national anthem. Right. Um, I mean, we all <laughs> like Kimmy K. I mean, so, uh, and he's a super nice guy. I got to interview him this year on the Somos LAFC podcast shouts to them. And he's always been an absolute gentleman. So I think probably even though he was a C on the pitch, I'm going to go ahead and give him uh, an A minus because he's Mandy's favorite defender. All right. Okay, next is Mohamed Traore. He is our defender that we had acquired midseason. He was also uh, with the team in the preseason. We didn't really get to see much about him. So what do you guys think? Do you want to touch on him? Or do you want to just say, hey, we need to see more? He's got some physical development to do. Sorry. uh, Physical development, I think, needs to, to take a step forward before we can really see what his ceiling looks like. I mean, he's I only 18, saw, so he's still right, very young. Right. In, incredibly young. I, I love seeing young people around this club. We'll talk more about some of those young people here in a second. You have to have young players that develop in order to succeed as a franchise. 
So the more gambles we take on young players, the higher the likelihood that those gambles pay off. And that's exactly what we need to have happen if this club's going to take the next step. So the more triorities there are in the world, the better for all of us. I would just say incomplete. I mean, we didn't see enough of him. So, but I'm sure he has a bright future. Yeah. LAFC I, I, has done a good job of choosing young players so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. You know, he's he's a big body at 6'1", and, you know, he's only 18, and it's it's something that I would like to see more of. Eddie Segura, what do you guys think about Eddie this year? I give him an A. He was our bedrock back there, cornerstone. Uh, not, I mean, he did have some mistakes here and there, but I think he played the most minutes for us. He was Mr. Consistent. He was hardly injured. He was probably one of the only consistent parts of our defense up until Murillo uh, was signed. So I was impressed. I'm impressed. He continues to get better. The one thing I would say he, he needs to improve on is just his leadership and communication back there. I think he does a good job with his actions, but he, he doesn't necessarily command the back line in the way he understands it. Like you, you, you can see that he understands defensive concept schemes and executes them. Great one-on-one defender, but he does not get everyone else on the same page as him. So that's the only thing I would say that he needs to work on. But, you know, great signing from a couple of years ago, and I'm happy that he's going to continue to be here. And he has a couple of Colombian friends and seems happy to be on the squad. Uh, you touched on every single bullet point I have down here. My negative would be poor communication. My positives being uh, he's our defensive player of the year right up there with the Twesta. Formulates the base of a very ex- effective spine had to deal with a revolving door of players around him that speak different languages, come from different clubs with different systems and different cultures. And he was charged with being the one to organize all of that. That is a very big ask of an MLS defender. Uh, and he ended up putting up some very, very, very impressive performances given all that going around him, especially when the team took his major defensive partner one of the best players in the league and took it away from him with no replacement just before the season started last year. Given all that turmoil, what we saw from him in CCL, I I can't give him anything other than an A. If we were holding the cup right now, it would probably be an A+. plus. All right, and of course, we've all agreed that Eddie Segura will be back. Any chance you guys think that Eddie might get sold? No, I don't think so. All right. No, I, I don't think there's an offer out there that would be legitimate enough to take it. Obviously, if someone swoops in with something crazy, you're going to take it. I just don't see that happening. Okay, good enough. Dijon, Yakovic, what do you guys think? Jonathan, you want to take this one first? I think we saw the end of Dejan Yakovic's probably LAFC tenure this year as well, too. I think injuries, he just doesn't seem like a player that's really going to be able to put much out there going forward i think even going into the season it was questionable what he had left in the tank i think we saw that i mean the guy you got to give it to him heart but i just think this is the end for him not a lot of minutes the performances he did have injury plagued i just don't think we're ever going to see him suit up for us again and thank you for your service obviously someone who's been with us a while but all in all, the performance this year barely even had enough minutes to qualify for me, and I would say C. Yeah, I give him a C. I don't see him coming back. I think he's up there with Harvey, where he's gone to an age where it's hard for him to compete and perform. So, uh, but he did give us a good few years, and 
Thank him for that. You know, he was uh, part of our original starting eleven against Seattle. So I, you know, yeah, he he's has an a, OG. He's he's, he's forever he's got, black and gold status. He's got a soft spot, and uh, you know, I liked I liked watching uh, Djokovic play, and I think that at the beginning of the season, when he stepped into fill in for Walker Zimmerman, uh, I felt like there was a lot of people that didn't feel like he was going to be able to fulfill that role, but I think that he actually played very well, especially at the very beginning of the MLS's back tournament. You know, granted, yeah, he's 35 now, and he probably wasn't as fast as he at one point was, but I still feel like, you know, I think that they're, you're right, I don't, I don't like, I don't think we're going to see him in, in uh, uh, LAC kit next year, but I, I really do like I really do like Yakovich and I hope I hope that he continues to play somewhere because I think he can still play. You've talked to me into a C plus. Okay, perfect. I, I, um, I'll go up. That was, that was you're right. Yakovich hates pink jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm I am an anomaly. I you know I I go back to the uh, analogy that Jonathan finished off last week where it was uh, you know. <laughs> Christian is the man in this podcast with the clipboard well, standing hold, hold, on the sidelines. Let's, let's frame it. Let's frame it better now. Come on now. Let's, let's, let's at least give it the poetic grace it All deserves, right. sir. Right, you give it so the picture for yourselves this, the shoulder-to-shoulder listening audience. You are at a football game, and there are three iconic figures on the sideline, as represented by your three co-hosts here today. And if we were there watching this game, Christian would be the guy with the clipboard taking notes. I would be the guy with the beer screaming for a hard tackle. And Chris would be there with the table of orange slices and Capri Suns ready to welcome him <laughs> off the pitch. Uh, it's terrible, but very true. Very true. I okay. love you both. I love that about us. Come on now. Uh, All right, we move on. Okay, next is uh, Diego Palacios. I'll, I'll go ahead and take first on this one. I'm going to give him a B plus, A minus, somewhere in there. I think his CCL run, getting young player of the tournament, to me, the latter half of the season, we saw him take some big steps forward to where we might be in a minus camp. But what we saw from him at the beginning of the season was not particularly good. There were many times in which we saw him subbed out for other players just because he wasn't seeming to get the connection with the midfield and his defensive responsibilities. It seemed like some of Bob's system wasn't clicking for him. At some point in time throughout the season, it definitely seemed to start clicking. And what we saw towards the end of the season was significantly better. So it was kind of a B performance early in the season and an A performance late in the season. So however that washes out in the middle, you know, maybe I would fall somewhere around there. But really great progression from him as far as his passing, his ability to predict where the player's going to be and play the ball into space so that players can advance onto it. Definitely improved. His ability to track back and defend got better as the year went on as well, too. I think, there again, there are still some things there, though, with his defense on set pieces and some other stuff where we'd still like to see some improvement from him. But I think he took a big step forward in a way we were all hoping. So I'll go A-minus. I'm- I agree with you, an A-minus. Um he, I think he showed all of LAFC what potential he has uh, in the CCL like, and what we expect from him and what Bob probably saw in him when, and, and John Thornton when we signed him. So I think 
it's hard to grade during the season, except for some of the players that we have expectations from, and he's one of them. And um, But who knows what the personal side and the bubble and all that really was. I feel like he was a little in the same concentration as last year. I also think that the international breaks and the Bowl qualifiers were very disruptive. But on the flip side, the fact that he gets called up and he's been so young uh, to be one of the starters at times for Ecuador is another reason why I want to give him an A-. minus. So those are my thoughts. Let's pick this up here. We got uh, Mohamed El Munir. What's your grade, and do you think that he'll be with the club next year? I do not think he's going to be with the club next year. There's a very small chance they bring him back. I think that's only if other options don't pan out. He might be that sort of emergency buyback. And if I'm a player, I don't know if I want that situation. Elmo was that guy when he came in, we all thought so highly of, thought he was going to be a big piece and part of this club. Frankly, you know, we gave up basically to get him. So there was a lot riding on that that hasn't panned out. He did not have a particularly great season offensively. Defensively, he still seemed to have that ability to come in and make those last-minute huge saves. He did have what I think was an absolute screamer of a goal in the Rona Rumble versus Carson, if memory serves correct, or he had some of that COVID bubble goal magic there. So, I mean, there were some flashes of that, but ultimately he couldn't win over that spot in starting eleven. So I think I'm probably in the C-plus camp once again, and I don't think he's coming back. I agree with you on the C-plus. That's funny. For different reasons. So he was supposed to be the starter, right, to replace Gerald Moutinho, but the club still went out to get Palacios. So that speaks volumes. And this was last year. But then this year, there was times that Harvey was chosen over him. So there had to be some some sort of rift or discontent or just lack of effort on his part be part of the club and for whatever reason he wasn't even the second choice as left back and at times playing the midfield for that reason so you know he's talented but I also think he's making starter type money on his contract and I know LAFC is not going to sign him back for that so for that reason I don't think he's going to be back unless he wants to take a, a pay cut and if I were him and wanted to make money you know I'd pick another club to go to our young 16 year old Eric Duenas uh, we only saw him play in one match outside of the preseason match against Peñarol. What do you guys expect of Eric next year? I think he has a bright future. I mean, the fact that we didn't sign a right back, we have Farfan as a kind of flex right and left back. I think he's going to get some playing time if the roster doesn't fill out in that position. He he is pretty fearless. I mean, he played uh, some minutes against Seattle in the playoff game. So I'm impressed with his ability to go up and down the flank. I think he doesn't have his grown-up body yet, but the speed is there and the fearlessness is there and the the wanting to take chances and the right system approach in terms of his passes and where to be and send crosses in. So I see a lot of promise in him. So I'll give him, you know, just with those circumstances, B+. Like, I, not a lot of it is expected of him, but I think he impressed for such a young player. He's 16 years old. And he is a professional football player in Los Angeles. That's, oh, that's astounding. I, I don't even want to talk about what I was doing at 16 years old. A-plus. Absolute A-plus. Maybe not an A-plus impact on the team on the pitch, but to see our academy players 
make that debut, to see them be integrated into this squad. And know we are talking about a player who has appeared for the first team, who is still 10 years away from the middle of his career. I, I mean, it's, it's astounding. He doesn't cost us much, if anything. It doesn't take up a roster spot because he's a homegrown player. Again, it is essential to develop. You have to bring up homegrown players, and they have to pay out in order to win cups, in order to keep the financial pipeline working the way it's supposed to. In order for all of this MLX economics to work, this has to work for us. So, I mean, our future is riding on the players that come out of our academy and our homegrown players in that respect. Now, yes, you can get around that, but it means so much to the functionality of the team if this works. Uh, so our hopes are are out there with him, and he's years away from needing to commit anything to the first team. I mean, in three years, he's going to be 19 and still probably knocking on the door of significant first-team minutes at that point. So fantastic, A-plus for a 16-year-old to be out there on the pitch as a defender. Okay, Andy Nahar. Are we going to talk about Andy Nahar? We do want to just move on to Tristan Bachman. I just say I, I would see, and he's very disappointing. Glass knees, glass ankles. Can't last more than 15 minutes in a derby after he's a sub. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead, and, and this would probably be the worst one I would give out. I'm, I'm going to give him a D, and if you want my comments, just go listen to any episode of Defenders of the Bank where they completely rail on this guy. Shout out to the homies, Scarf and Philly. But, yeah, look, I couldn't stay healthy. Uh, there were questions about his attitude, commitment, work ethic. Another one of those players that we gave up a big piece to get as some of the significant returns in the Zimmerman deal kind of went his direction, a lot of hope involved in that, and it just didn't pan out. The guy couldn't stay fit at all. So disappointing, yeah. Uh, D, and it's sad that health and wellness are frankly the reasons that, that he was not able. In a year where health and wellness should be an excuse for virtually everyone, but in his case, it's not. And I was very disappointed in the season, and I don't ever see him coming back. Okay. Uh, we touched on Tristan at the beginning part of the show. Do you guys want to expand upon that or just leave him as grade and move on to the next? Yeah, I'll go ahead and give A-. minus. Uh, big step forward. I think I've already said my piece on him. I think he's a huge part of this team going forward. Uh, and maybe just on uh, his Kobe tribute, I'm going to upgrade it to A++. I'll give him an A. With the end of the season. Another young player that is from our academy, Tony Leone. Leone? Not sure how I say his last name. Sorry, young man. Uh, but he didn't make an appearance for us all season. He did play in the preseason match against Peñarol, but other than that, it's just another one where I think that we need to continue to develop our homegrown talent, and we will be excited to see his future with LAFC. Do we all agree? Did yeah, no. Shout out to him. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we had Mark Segbergs, who uh, came in as a uh, loan, and he didn't play at all for us. Do you guys think that that loan will be you know, renewed, or do you think that he just came in as a uh, stopgap? Stop no and yes. No, he's not okay. coming back. Yes. He was just a stopgap stop for injuries. Good luck okay. to him. Yeah, I think he came from the USL, so hopefully he can get an MLS contract. And last but not least is Jesus David Murillo, number 94. Murillo has potential to be a first 11 player next year for 
all MLS. He has potential to be a defensive player of the year. And we've seen that in a very short amount of time from him. He was huge in CCL. His development and performance was the biggest relief, I think, for the LAFC community on that back line. He, as of right now, is the Zimmerman replacement. And I am really hoping he is with us next season. I know there is an outside chance that he's not. I think it's still probably in the 80 to 90% chance that he comes back right now. Uh, I hope we give him a lengthy contract. I hope we give him one that's worthy of what we saw from him, and I hope he lives up to that contract. But from what I saw, I'm going to go ahead and say solid A. I agree with you. Solid A. He is the the leader, the presence that Segura needed back there to complement his workmanlike performance for the year. So he's big, he's physical, um, he's not intimidated, and he's intimidating. He organizes us, and uh, I think he was able to play and step up to the Mexican teams in the CCL, and uh, I think he, he set a tone. The other thing I would say is, for such a big player, he has very good control and passing ability and vision, which is, you know, something that I am happy that LAFC was able to get him, to recruit him, to to get him on loan and hopefully sign him because he could be, you know, a cornerstone of the, the back line. And it could be him and Segura or him and Blackman or Blackman and Segura. So we have ways to, to rotate. And, but I hope he is a continuous starter and I hope he signs. And I'm very impressed with his short stint that we got to see from him at the end of the season. All right. Okay, so, so before we call the show and that's it, right? We don't have any more players. No. That's it. That's all we have in terms of our players on roster. So curious if you could give me a defense as the whole letter grade. So from the back line to the keeper, if you were to wrap it all up in one nice bow, what's your letter grade and overall thoughts on our defense outside of the midfield this year? I would say it's a B minus. It's, you know, definitely room for improvement. There were some better performing players that brought up that grade, but there were too many errors and too many lackluster performances that just overall maintained having that grade down. I think that a lot of people are unsatisfied with the overall performance of the defense as a whole, and they um, would like to see improvement. Uh, How that's improved, I don't know, but just improvement to where there's not the mental errors, more team chemistry, and, uh, you know, so a B-minus for me. I agree with that, and I think it's a C for the MLS season. I think our offense, basically Rossi bailed us out of a lot of games. Um, We were shambolic at times in the back, or just giving up too many goals where ties happen where they shouldn't have or losses happen where they shouldn't have. And I think it was salvaged by our performance in the CCL where it gave us like a solid B, B plus. Averages out to a B minus for that reason. So I'm more hopeful for next year, but a B minus is what I, I give us. We made the playoffs. We got in deep in the CCL. So I think a lot of teams would opt to have that kind of year, um, even though it feels disappointing to us. Dealt a very difficult hand in last offseason with the late Zimmerman departure and really until Mario arrived, no clear replacement there. It's hard knowing that you took 
a defensive player of the year out of this defense and forcing them to sort of scramble and fill that for the first half of the season. I, I realize that that's incredibly difficult, but if you look at a lot of the players we named today, we were all in the B minus C plus camp on a lot of these guys with a few names that pushed us over the top. So uh, in that regard, I'm going to go ahead and say B minus based on how we finished the season. If we were just talking about CCL, I think we'd be in a B camp, but given that there were, so many issues on set pieces, issues with defensive communication, issues with defensive distribution and playing out of the back that seemed to haunt us multiple times. I think a B minus is warranted and, and perhaps even generous. So I, I think that about wraps up uh, today's look at our defensive players. Uh, any other final shout outs from you guys with regards to defensive players before we wrap up today's episode? No, just stay tuned for next week's episode. We're going to highlight the fun part about LAFC, which is our midfield and our strikers. And hopefully there's some more uh, rumor transfer news that we can expand upon. Hopefully there's a kit leak that's, you know, everyone, everyone approves of. <laughs> um, I think uh, before we wrap up today's episode, I, I just wanted to say something real quick. I know that the COVID crisis continues to take its toll on our community and the grief, the loss, the sadness, the perseverance, the endurance, things that people will have to live with throughout the rest of our lives have touched so many of us and it is endless to name the people in which this disease has infected. But in my personal sphere, uh, dear friend within the LAFC community, Sammy lost his mom today, so our hearts are with him. I believe D9 is going to be throwing a collection donation GoFundMe link out for that. Nothing worse than losing a parent to a pandemic in such a horrible and quick manner and then not being able to afford a proper cemetery burial funeral for that person is just a horrific thing to think of. So uh, our thoughts are with you, Sammy, brother. Hope all things work out well for everyone who has lost somebody continuing to fight and struggle. Uh, shouts to my friend in the Cuervos and co-worker Cisco, who is currently battling the disease right now. Be strong. We are shoulder to shoulder with all of you who are grieving, who are fighting, who are recovering. Uh, hats off to every single one of you. Oh, go ahead. From LAO, Nano, who actually passed. So there's a GoFundMe on uh, LAO's Instagram. Never really got to interact for a long time, but he was childhood friends with a lot of the core guys. So they're going to have a food fundraiser this Saturday. All the information's on uh, LAFC, LAO's Instagram. Unfortunate that all this is going on, but I I agree with your sentiment. And, you know, stay safe. Stay as strong as possible, and hopefully we can support uh, the family and the community that's impacted. Wear your mask, stay at home. Um, and uh, it's crazy that these tragedies seem to be coming so quick and so many uh, to the point where some of them are even uh, getting lost in the shuffle, which is, which is absolutely even more horrific and tragic on top of all the things that we're experiencing. So on behalf of Chris Christian, sound engineer Wilton and myself, thank you all so much for being a part of us and listening and enjoying today's episode. 
Really appreciate it. You can always reach out to us at, at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. You can suit an email to John, Chris, or Jonathan at LAFCS2S.com if you have any questions for the show. If you want to come in here and give your two cents on anything, we would love to have you come and join us. If you want to sit down and talk footy with us, please reach out. We'd be happy to have you come join the show and tell your LAFC story. So thank you so much once again for joining us today. Take us home, Sticks.